I would get up in the morning, I would smoke a bowl, a couple bowls of meth, right? And then I would go to work and take the kids to school, you know, stuff like that, um, go to their games. I would work all day and then come home and drink to go to sleep and eat so that I didn't look skinny or anything, you know? And then um, I smoke a bowl all day long. Meth was the cure-all. It was the end-all. It was, um, yeah, I, I used meth for 14 years solid every day. So the day that I met Sarah, I actually went to Coldwell Park. It's a park in Redding, California. I remember I was laying there on the, in the grass at Caldwell Park and I seen Caleb and a bunch of people walking up, kind of a little group with him, you know? And um, <laughs> I looked that way and I said, oh man, here come these crazy church people. They're gonna try and pray for us. I know it. I, he kept saying, you're awesome. You're, you know, God thinks you're awesome. And I was like, this guy's nuts. He's, <laughs> he's crazy. I don't, how can he be so positive, right? Well, he said to me, uh, you guys need anything, anything ever, do you just take down my number and call me? And um, I put it in my phone. And I put crazy church guy, you know, and um, in the number. And I thought, I'm never gonna need him for anything, but in case I do, you know, I don't know why something in the back of my head was like, you need that, you know? You, you need someone to tell you that you're awesome. And, um, no one's ever told me that, you know. So about two or three months after Sarah and I met at the park, I got a text message. It was like, hey, I'm a drug addict. I'm homeless. I'm done with life. I want to kill myself. I'm like, all right, I'm going to pick you up and we're going to go out to breakfast. I'm going to treat you to breakfast. So when Caleb came to get me to have breakfast, it was empowering. I, I can't explain what it's like. I, I don't even know the words to say. I just asked Sarah, like, who is she? And she told me her, her story. And he did keep saying, you're amazing. I, I want to hear your story. You know, I want to know how you feel and just let me come to you. And I was just encouraging her. I'm like, you're incredible to have gone through what you've gone through and to be the person that you are today. It made me feel better. It made me want to do something with it. One night, I decided to go to Bethel. They had been praying over me for a while, and um, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. And so Sarah's like, well, you know, I was there, and I'm really freaked out, and I'm really scared, and I'm just really nervous, and I'm just like, what in the world is going on? And she starts encountering the love of God. And as she's on the ground encountering the love of God, she's cussing about like, what the F is going on? What the blankety blank? I didn't think that, that God was loving. I always thought he was hateful. So I had to rediscover him all over again. I was using all the time, all the time. The night before I used, I just asked him to pray over me. You gotta, you guys gotta help me get this job so I can get off these drugs. I don't, I don't know how I'm gonna do it, you know? And someone came up and said, I'm gonna pray for all the toxins to leave your body. And I tested and I tested clean. So after I got the job at Walmart and um, I got a place in Corning, that's when I relapsed. There was a lot of regrets. Um, 
it's really hard to, um, you can't undo that, you know, you can't undo the harm that you've done to your family, your kids, or yourself. I knew at that point I'd have to ask God for help. There was no other way. And they put me in a program. On November 24th this year, I'll be three years clean and sober. So that's pretty rewarding. So now I graduated drug court. Um, I work at Right Road DUI five days a week. Um, I have my kids. I take them to school. So five days a week, I, I counsel people, help them get their driver's license back. So to look back now on my life, I can see where God was trying to reach out to me. I wasn't paying attention. Several different occasions I had people approach me and try and talk to me about God, and I turned them away. I think he had to send me Caleb to really get me to notice what was going on. What it's like for me to witness what happened in Sarah's life is, I'm gonna cry because it overwhelms me. To, to see someone know God, to see someone above knowing Him experience love, true love, there's nothing like Jesus, there's nothing like His love. So it was important for me to feel valued because I don't hear that every day. To be told that you have worth is a lot. Maybe it might not stick in everybody else's head, but for me it was. For me it was in the back of my head ticking always, that he thought I was amazing, that God thought I was amazing. When I found out the heart of God, I, I found out that God really likes people and God doesn't see junk. He sees treasure in the midst of dirt. Telling people that, hey, you are amazing. Hey, you are capable. Not just to say it because that's actually the truth. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter who you are. He's always there. People need to know that. People like me who didn't um, get shown that. He loves everybody. That's what I want my kids to know. That's what I want everybody to know. He loves you. And that all started, as you uh, be reminded of this, her life was changed because uh, that young man decided to reach out to her when she didn't look reachable uh, and told her that God thinks you're amazing. And that started, that planted seed, that started to turn her life to where she eventually came to know the Lord. And what a great testimony, amen? There's a lot of Sarahs out there in our community, just a lot of them. And uh, <clears throat> we see the cleaned up version, you know, here. But we also, if you saw the picture of her where she was looking a little rougher earlier, and we've seen guys that come up here for Teen Challenge, you see the before and after. The before picture of how awful and rough they looked when they were entered into the program and then they're standing here on this stage testifying to God's redemptive power and they just are sound of mind and they're not gaunt and 
looking like they had been using drugs, they're clean, and Jesus has saved them. And that's what God wants to do for everybody. Uh, and so we have a, a beautiful opportunity to, to, to see more Sarahs come to the Lord in this community. Amen? Um, this, uh, how many crazy Christians, by the way, do we have here this morning? Crazy Christians? Anybody? Yeah, all right. That's good. I don't mind being labeled a crazy Christian by somebody that comes in crazy Christians again. I love it. Oh, it's good to see everybody here this morning. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I don't know how many of you watched online last week. Um, I'm in, a, I'm in the, the last, this is actually today is the last of, uh, of a series that I'm doing. And so I did the third week last week online. So I'm feeling like there's kind of like a smile with a tooth missing, you know, kind of like maybe we kind of missed last week a little bit. So I'm going to touch on it just a touch this morning just to make sure for those of you who missed it last week that we get caught up with it. But there was this one lady, by the way, did you hear about this one lady who um, said she finally got a hold of her inner self and her inner self was just as confused as she was? Did you hear about that lady? Yeah. You know, the fact is, is there's a lot of people that ask questions like this. Why do I exist? And what's my purpose in life? Why do I exist? And what's my purpose in life? A lot of people ask those questions. I, have you ever asked that question? I'm sure you have. Uh, most everyone does. And people travel through the highs and the lows of life. Um, and they really search for this answer throughout their lives. Why do I exist? What's my purpose in life? And many times with little to no success, they search. Uh, but the answer to these questions are not elusive. Today, uh, I just want to encourage you that you come to the right place because if you're asking those questions this morning, um, these questions are not elusive. Rather, rather, these answers are not elusive. You're just, you've been looking in the wrong place, but today you've come to the right place. And so hopefully uh, we can get these questions answered this morning uh, before we end our time together. Uh, and if you're watching as well, you're not tuned in by accident. I hope you'll stay with us for the next little bit and we can get these questions answered for you as well. Um, we started several weeks ago uh, when we saw Jesus and how it showed his passion for souls, just like this young man who went and reached out to Sarah, went out of his way and even gave, him her, gave her his phone number. Uh, Jesus went out of his way to go to the Samaritan woman at the well. You remember that from a few weeks back? and not only rescued her out of her situation, but also this lady went and proclaimed it to her, her town. Let me tell you about a man who told me everything about me and uh, changed her life, just changed her life from that moment on. Then a couple of weeks ago, we saw where Jesus was preaching to the multitudes and saw a guy by the name of Simon who had a boat out just off the shore of Lake Genesaret, uh, Lake Galilee rather, in the town of Genesaret. And uh, he hopped on that boat and he preached uh, what he was ever he was preaching. But when he got done, he turned to Peter and said, how about let me call you to a higher place? Instead of just being a fisherman, let me call you to be a fisher of men. Peter took him up on it. And we know the rest of Simon Peter's story. Last week, for those of you who might have not seen this on our time together on our Facebook Live service, uh, we looked at 72 people that Jesus sent out. <clears throat> we know Jesus had 12 disciples. We know their names. But Jesus actually had more than that. And uh, so he had 72 people, of which I believe 12 of them were his disciples. So he sent another 60 out from that as well. 
And out, he, out Jesus sent him, sent these people two by two to proclaim the good news. And, uh, and the thing is, is that Jesus didn't send them out saying, okay, now just figure this thing out. You're on your own. I hope you do good. He didn't do that. He actually sent them out equipped. He sent them out prepared. He sent them out with detailed instructions and, and a process on how to engage with people. You know, there is a process that Jesus has given us. There's actually steps that he's given us in all kinds of different ways in our lives. He doesn't just say, okay, now you're saved. Now you're on your own and good luck with that. And I hope you do well. He actually gives us instruction in that Bible that you're holding this morning. It's an instruction manual that you're holding this morning. And part of this instruction that he gives us is how to engage with people. Now, if you missed last week, I want you to get your pen, paper, and write these four things down. I'm going to go through them kind of quickly. But this is important because we're going to use this very soon for those of us who are going to be going out and doing some ministry, as I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago. The first thing, and this is not just us going out, by the way, door to door or anything like that, but it's also in our places of work, in our neighborhoods, in our families. It's where we go, as we go, when we go. And Jesus didn't say, if you go, he says, when you go. So it's not an option for us. We've made it an option as the church, but it's not an option. Jesus has never called an option what it is actually a requirement for us and a calling and a privilege for us to go out. And so he says, when you go out, not if you go out, but when you go out, Take these four steps with you. This is what he gave to the 72. The first one is this. And this is found in, in Luke chapter 10, by the way. He says, speak peace. When you go into the towns, speak peace. Say, I give you, I give you, I speak to you the peace of the Lord. In other words, he's saying, don't be contentious. The gospel should never be argued. It should never be, uh, you should never get into an argument about Jesus Christ. You win more people over with honey than you do with vinegar. And so if we speak the name of Jesus, Jesus is a name that brings life, it brings hope, it brings salvation, it brings joy, it brings deliverance. His name brings all of those things. And so that's good news, isn't it? And so we speak peace. We don't get into an argument. The next thing that he says is you go into these towns and as we go in our day-to-day <clears throat> -day lives, is that we prioritize relationships. Prioritize relationships. And see, there's an old saying that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so for us to just cram Jesus down someone's throat without saying like this man did to Sarah, I care about you. Here's my phone number. If you ever need anything, let me take you out for lunch. Let me invest in your life. Let me show you that I care. And as he showed that he cared and he represented Jesus, she began to open up her heart to what he had to know and to share with her. Prioritizing relationships is hard for us because many times we want to have relationships based on what we can get out of them. But Jesus is our example in how his relationships, his relationships were always what he could pour into people, what he could give. It was a selfless giving life that he had, wasn't it? Jesus came, the Bible says, to serve, not to be served. But too often in our culture today, we try to have relationships that are based on how they can get us ahead or 
improve our lives in some way or benefit us in some way. But Jesus had all these opportunities when he was on the earth to do just that, but he took none of those opportunities, did he? In fact, he walked away from them. He rejected them. Even Satan himself said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll let you take care of, be in charge of the whole world, which by the way, he was already, that would have been a downgrade because he's in charge of the universe. But Jesus had every opportunity to step up and to do whatever he needed to do that would benefit him. He could have been the leader of that nation. He could, have, he could have done a lot of things, but he turned it aside and rejected it because his whole approach was prioritizing relationships like the woman at the well, like Simon Peter, and like so many others as he walked in his day to day. And as he poured his love into them, they opened up their heart to what he had to share. The third thing that Jesus gave his instructions for the 72 was that he asked them and expected them to address the brokenness in their lives. Address brokenness. Um, everyone in this room today, everyone within the sound of my voice, if you're watching this from your home or wherever, everyone in this world, everybody that is breathing today or that has ever breathed has brokenness in their lives. There's not one person that is not broken. And so as we go into these relationships, we see the broken and hurting parts in people's lives. Again, just like Sarah, every day for 16 years, she did meth in the morning and drank at night. I don't know how her brain didn't get fried, but by the grace of God. But that's a brokenness in her life. That's more obvious in certain people's lives, but there's some that are a little more hidden. There's some that we like to put a nice facade over and we like to spiritualize it and try to make ourselves look good. But deep down inside, every single person has a brokenness. And all we are is really one blind beggar telling the other beggar where the food is. That's really what it's all about. And we step up and we say, what can we do to address your brokenness? How can I pray for you? How can I love you? How can I help you? How can I help carry the load? How can I point you to Jesus? How can I share that burden with you? Because I know you're hurting. I know you're broken. Address brokenness. And when you do these things, the third, the rally, the fourth thing that Jesus said, as you're going along in life, in your day to day, is finally, it's really the culmination of it, and that is to proclaim the kingdom. Proclaim the kingdom. Our primary task in life is not to make a living. It's not to be successful. It's not to have nice things and to be popular and to have all this talent and fame and whatever pursuits that maybe are, that the world is saying are important. None of that is important. The primary thing, I mean, it's important to live our lives and take care of things, of course, but our primary pursuit, folks, especially as believers in Jesus Christ, is this. And that is to help people take a really careful look at who Jesus is. It's to point people to Jesus. It's to, it's to, it's to say, have you considered Jesus? Again, I'm going to speak peace over your life. I'm going to have relationship with you. I'm going to address your brokenness. And I'm going to speak the name of Jesus into your life. Because his name is power. His name is healing. His name is hope. His name is salvation. His name is life. It's the good news of Christ that will take care of your brokenness today. How many can say amen to that? Amen. 
You see, that's the process that Jesus gave us. And doesn't that make sense? And today, and by the way, as part of that, he says, I'm not going to leave you on your own. It's not just those four things that I'm sending you out to do. That's not just the four steps there. But he also says, I'm sending you out as sheep among the wolves. This is what he said, it's what we looked at last week in Luke chapter 10. I'm sending you out as sheep among the wolves. But who is Jesus? One of his titles is the what? The good shepherd, right? He's our good shepherd. And what do shepherds take do? What do they do? They take care of their sheep, don't they? Oh, they tend, the good shepherd tends to his sheep. The good shepherd makes sure that no, no harm comes to his sheep. He, the, the good shepherd will go up for the, for the, leave the 99 to go after the one, you know? The good shepherd makes sure that his sheep are taken care of. Aren't you thankful that he goes with us? He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm going with you. I'm sending my spirit with you. So that when you go into these places and speak my peace and develop these relationships and you address the brokenness and you speak the good news of who I am into people's lives, my spirit's going to make it come alive to them. Now, he also said that some people are going to reject you. And that comes with the territory. But we better not just say, well, because of that, I better not do it because I can't stand rejection. The fact is, the Bible says that we plant and water and then God brings the increase. So we don't know that people like Sarah who push you away and say you're a bunch of crazy Christians. And you walk away think there's, thinking there was absolutely no success in that, in that interaction that I had with Sarah or the Sarahs of our community. That God's not doing something through that seed that was planted. So that months later... That one phrase, you are amazing, kept resonating in her heart. And she finally came to a place where she reached her end and realized that the only thing that I can do here is to call this guy. That's the Holy Spirit doing that in her life, by the way. That's the Holy Spirit working in her life. This man planted, watered, and the Holy Spirit drew her in. And now you see this testimony. Of how the Lord rescued her out of that situation. And now she's telling others about Jesus. And that's the process. Aren't you thankful that he doesn't leave us? He watches over us. He protects us. He guides us. He fills us. He empowers us to go out and make a difference as we're representing Christ. And today, I want us to continue with this story of these 72 that went out. Because now they're coming back. And they're giving a good report. They're giving a, an exciting report. So I want us to see the results of this to give you guys an understanding as the Lord sent them out. We get to see the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. Starting in verse 17 of Luke chapter 10, if you have your Bibles with you, open it up to that. The scriptures will also be on the screen behind me. So 72, the 72 returned with what? With joy. They weren't discouraged. They weren't sad. They weren't uh, disappointed. They came back with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And they'd never experienced that before. This was a new thing for them. They were so excited. He replied, and, 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 and he, was, he was engaging in their excitement, by the way, when he said, you know what? I, I can just imagine Jesus saying this to him. You know, I saw, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. As you were going out and doing this, I saw this happening. 
I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And then at that time, full of what? Joy again, right? At that time, Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit, the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. And then he spoke to his father and he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows who the son is except the father and no one knows who the father is except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. And then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you, what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear. So what he's saying is this, is all these people from hundreds and even thousands of years ago that knew about me, the prophets of old, that were prophesying that one day a Savior is going to come, I am he. And this is what it's all about. They wanted to hear it. You get to hear it. You get to experience it. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we unpack God's word today. Holy Spirit, we need you today. We need, to, we need you to reveal truth to us. We need you to speak truth to us. We open up our hearts to receive it. We lay aside every distraction. Plant seeds deep in our heart, Holy Spirit. Let it become, take root and become fruitful. And let us walk this out today that we receive in our hearts. Nor that we wouldn't reject it. Let us receive it. Understand it. And won't you walk this out through us? We give you our, 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 this time now. And we ask that you help us to understand it. And uh, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for just showing your word today in a way that we've maybe not ever seen it before. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Very quickly, three things that we're going to look at this morning in this text that I just uh, read to you. Three things. There's three things in this awesome report, this great report, that's going to show us why we exist, our purpose in life. First one is this. It should be up on the screen. Joining in Jesus' mission produces deep satisfaction. Write that down. Just keep that up there for just a minute. Let them be able to give some time to write that down. You know, there's an old saying. In fact, I just heard it again this week from somebody. You've heard this before. If you do what you love, then you'll never work a day in your life. How many ever heard that before, right? Yeah. You know, I, I got to say, I love what I do. I, I have some people over the years that say, oh, I would never want to pastor a church. I don't know how you do it and all of that. I get it. It's by the grace of God. He gives me the strength. But I, I, I got to tell you, I love pastoring. Uh, I know that Kelly and I are exactly where we need to be. We're doing what we need to do. And because we love what we're doing, and because of the great joy and satisfaction that it brings, uh, I don't feel like I'm even working because I enjoy it so much. I'm called to this. We're, we're called to this. And we love it. Um, I also love as I look around at our congregation and as I look through uh, in, 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 in past years how, how uh, people, talents and abilities that God gives people and, and they just shine and, and they just help to make the world go around. There's 
artists and engineers, there's doctors and lawyers and teachers and nurses and bakers and managers and the list goes on and on of those that are represented here today and thank you construction workers and retail operators and everybody that takes care of doing what you're doing, you do it well. You do it with excellence and, and, and it's because God's, I could never be an engineer, I could never be a doctor, I could never be some of these things. Just like you're saying I could never be a pastor, well I could never do what you're doing, but you love doing it and you're good at it. And God's given you the opportunities and the, and the abilities to do it and you shine and it's what makes the world go round. Thank you engineers for building good bridges so that I can drive over them and not, you know, go in the lake. Things like that, right? Thank you, teachers, for teaching me what two plus two is. It's five, right? I mean, praise God. Wait a minute. I'll get back to you on that. But God has given all of us abilities so that we can all do well and, and contribute. But as satisfying and fulfilling as doing what you love and getting paid for it is, there's nothing that compares to doing what you've been designed to do in the Lord because we are the most satisfied we are the most content we are the most fulfilled in life when we do what we're created to do and that is to not only share life with Jesus but to share that life of Jesus to others we're most fulfilled in life when we have a relationship with Jesus and we tell others about Jesus. We're most fulfilled in life when we know Jesus and we make him known. Now you may be saying, Pastor, I've never told anybody about Jesus. I don't even know what you're talking about. I do have a relationship with Jesus, but I've never shared Jesus with others. Then you've never truly been satisfied. You've never been truly fulfilled. And until you do, you don't even know what I'm talking about. But I hope that before today's over, before this message is over, you'll take the challenge and you'll realize that, you know what, maybe I am missing out on something here because it's our highest purpose on this earth. And it's the place where our hearts truly come alive is to know Christ and to make him known. Luke ten seventeen, as we're reminded, says the 72 returned with joy. They were excited. They were filled with joy. Why were they so excited? Why were they filled with joy? These people that up to that point maybe hadn't told anybody about Jesus finally did as Jesus sent them out and they came back with joy because they finally discovered their highest purpose in life and that is to share Jesus Christ. And when they did, it brought them great joy. It brought them deep satisfaction. You know, many believers who engage in gospel activity unfortunately do so out of a sense of obligation. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an attitude of I have to, which is really a hard issue. You don't have to. No, actually you get to. <laughs> and that's, that's an idea of just approaching where we are with this is that really I, I got to share Jesus? No, you get to share Jesus. But aren't you glad that someone didn't have that same attitude that shared Jesus with you? I have to share Jesus with you. I don't think I want to. I'm good. It's not worth it. I don't want to do it. Aren't you glad that person that shared Jesus with you didn't have that attitude? They, they, they shared Jesus with you. Whether it was your parents or whether it was a total stranger, a co-worker, a classmate, whoever. Aren't you thankful that Jesus was shared by someone to you however long ago? Are you thankful for that? If you are, let me hear you say amen. 
There are people that you're gonna, there's only, there's, there's people that only you can reach that need to know about Jesus. And I want you to write this down. This is probably one of the more important phrases that I'm going to say in the message here today, and that's this. There's this groundbreaking truth of this mission today. Maybe it's groundbreaking for you, maybe it's not, but I, it's groundbreaking for me. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Because this mission that is placed before us of telling people about Jesus is that we've been invited into the storyline of redemption. I'll say that again. You and I have been invited into the storyline of redemption. How? How? Well, because we all have a part to play. Jesus is saying to you and to me today, see, Jesus is not walking on the earth anymore. He is ascended to heaven, but he sent his spirit and his spirit is living in us. And therefore, his spirit living in us makes us now representatives of Christ. And how are we part of this storyline is that we are now representing Christ to others, just like this man did to Sarah in our story today. We are part of the storyline of redemption because we get to represent Christ to others. Sharing Jesus should never be a drudgery. It should always be like these 72 experienced, and that is a joy. This story in Luke chapter 10 shows us how that even in the midst of occasional opposition and rejection, which I'm sure they experienced, they came back with great joy, and that great joy became the driving force in these 72 for, I would hope, a lifestyle of sharing Jesus. What we got was just the opening uh, scene of their lives, that first experience where they said, oh, this was awesome. I'm sure that that wasn't a one and out thing for them. Those 72 probably went out multiple times and just kept living the life and sharing Jesus because it was so exciting. It was so fulfilling. They knew why they existed was to know Jesus and to make him known. I'm going to keep doing this because that's a pretty good high. And just like this lady, Sarah, who had meth every day for 16 years, I'm sure she's never experienced a better high than the high she's experienced by sharing Jesus with others. Yeah. If we don't approach the gospel activity with an awareness that it's part of what God has created us for us to do, and that, and that it becomes, and, 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 when it, and when we do it, it comes with this great joy and satisfaction, then let today be the day that you let that happen in your life. Why am I here? What was I created to do? To have a relationship with Jesus and to share him with others, to, to know Christ and to make him known. I said this a moment ago, and too often I think we put all of our eggs in the, I'm making a, a living basket. There's nothing wrong with making a living. We have to. We've got to take care of our families. We've got to pay our bills. We've got to make sure that, you know, we're doing a good job and we're being industrious and productive. But ultimately, we're not here to make a living. We're here to make a difference. Jesus has placed us on this earth because he wanted to have someone just like you to have a relationship with. And you didn't exist before you came on this earth. And so he says, you know, there's no one like this person, so I'm going to make them. And I'm going to have a relationship with them. And I'm going to ask them to go out and make a difference in other people's lives. You know, these people, these people, these 72, they may be left out with some sort of trepidation in their lives, I'm sure, but they came back bubbling over with excitement and joy. And as we engage in our ultimate purpose, our highest purpose in life, we will experience the same joy, the same fulfillment. 
Let me ask you this. When a new baby comes into your family, baby or grandbaby, remember that? Those babies and grandbabies? I'm sure that the whole family went, oh, no, not another baby. Not a baby. You don't hear that, do you? When a baby comes in, even when you have an announcement, just like Matt and Melody made a few weeks ago with their, their grandbaby coming up. I mean, we went, hey, we're so excited. All the grandparents and the parents come around and the aunts and the uncles and the brothers and the sisters. They go, oh, that's my turn to hold the baby. And we just kiss on the baby. Oh, babies, you know, just smell so sweet. You just want to breathe that life into you. Maybe you'll get younger again, you know. There's something about a sweet little baby, you know. We celebrate these babies, don't we? We get excited about these precious, sweet little babies. You just want to just, oh, you just want to eat them, you know. The same feeling takes place when we lead someone to Christ. Think about it. You know what I'm talking about with these babies and grandbabies. If you lead someone to Jesus, I promise you, you're going to experience that same, only it's going to be better. In fact, the results are going to be even more astounding because joining in Jesus' mission produces a level of incom incomparably deep satisfaction and joy nothing can measure up to. This is going to bring us to our next part of the story, what, what they came back with. Not only did they come back with joy and deep satisfaction, but they also came back, and here's the second point here, is as we join Jesus' mission, it's going to lead us to a greater authority. A greater authority. So here's what happened. Their report was filled with what God did through them. Demons trembled and cast out. And Jesus says, man, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven and, you know, all of that. Luke chapter 10, verses 18 through 20. You know, Jesus went over some things. He says, man, I saw, I saw you having authority over the power of the enemy and nothing's going to harm you. And that's some pretty astounding statements. A fact that took place there. And throughout the New Testament, by the way, if you expand this thing out, there's story after story after story of regular people, just like you and I, filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, John. Men of God and women of God walking this thing out. They stepped out from their comfort zones. They stepped out from their being just fishermen and becoming fishers of men and stepped up to that higher place that God called them to and that God's calling us to. And they saw the lame walk. They saw the deaf being able to, uh, to hear, the blind being able to see. They saw the dead raised. They saw demons cast out and countless people came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of God, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I tell you what, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that's some pretty great authority that we have as believers today. And when we're faithful with a little that Jesus puts us in charge of more, we'll have a greater authority as we step out. Intimacy with Jesus and faithful obedience to his mission produces greater authority to accomplish what he has sent us to do. As these 72 men and women walked in faithfulness and obedience, they ended up inheriting a new level of spiritual authority, but they had to take the first step, didn't they? They had to go out from where Jesus sent them. They didn't just sit there in their church building and say, Lord, bring them in and we'll lead them to you. I mean, that's good. But Jesus didn't do that. He says, I want you 72 to go into that building right there. And when they come on in, they 
didn't do that. He sent them out into the highways and the byways and the towns and the streets and the cities, all the different places, countryside. How often do you shrink back from opportunities because you think that you lack spiritual authority? Because you're not good enough? Because you're not called? Because you can't do it? Because it's not your responsibility? But what if next time you push through that fear and that insecurity and you did what the Holy Spirit was drawing you to do, compelling you to do, and encouraging to do? And what if when you did that, you took that first step that the Holy Spirit showed up and gave you boldness, gave you authority, gave you the words to say, gave you discernment, gave you what you needed that you know that you didn't have in yourself, but Him through you was able to minister and say and do just the right things to reach out to that person and make a difference. I've experienced that many times. I don't know about you. There have been a lot of times I didn't feel like it. There been a lot of times that I've been maybe intimidated by it. There's been a lot of times when I just wasn't sure, but I pushed through those times. I took that first step, and when I did, Jesus showed up with his authority. We just need to take the first step. We, we, we just need to take that first step, folks. We just need to be like the people that marched around the walls of Jericho. Just take that first step. We just need to take that first step, just like that, that man did when he dipped seven times in that old dirty river, that leper. You got to dip in there seven times and just take that first step. We got to be like that man who Jesus said, you take up your bed and that crippled man, you take up your bed, just take it up. And when we take that first step, folks, walls are going to fall down. When we take that first step, battles are going to be won. When we take that first step, bodies are going to be healed. When we take that first step, people are going to be saved. When we take that first step, Jesus shows up. We take that first step, Jesus is going to take the next 1,000 <laughs> just watch what happens when Jesus shows up. But here's what Jesus warned us. Don't get cocky. Turn to someone this morning and say, don't get cocky. Yeah. Don't get cocky. Yeah. You know, Jesus warned them in his, in his, as they gave him the report, he says, don't rejoice in all of that. Be careful. I mean, that's good that that happened. But don't you, don't you, don't you let get the big head here. Instead, you need to rejoice that your name is written in heaven. It's a perspective. I prayed for someone and they got healed. No, no, no. You didn't heal them. <laughs> I prayed for someone and, and they got saved. Well, great. You didn't save them. You know, I, I, I prayed for someone and the demons were cast out. You didn't cast out no demons. Neither did I. Jesus is warning us that as these things happen, that we stay focused, that we don't take the credit, that we don't get the big head, that we don't rely on our own strength and our abilities. What we do is we humbly go in the name of Jesus. Never arrogantly, never condescendingly. We humbly pray in the name of Jesus. We, we humbly point people to Jesus. We don't save. We don't heal. We don't deliver. We don't do nothing. It's Jesus that does it. And Jesus sends us out, empowered by His Holy Spirit, to lead people to Him. Yeah. You see, these evangelists, these faith healers, these pastors, prophets, Christian TV personalities, and they're doing great things for God, but it's not them doing the great work. It's Jesus through them. It's these pastors in these places you don't even ever hear about. It's these 
workers that are out there volunteering and doing different things at homeless shelters you, you, you never hear about. It's people that are just walking in obedience to the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit through them that's making the difference. It's the Holy Spirit through us that's making the difference. In fact, I encourage you to pray for all these people you see on TV, all these ones that are being propped up as the leaders of the Christian community. Folks, let's pray that God keeps them humble and dependent upon Him. Pray that for myself. Pray that for the leadership of this church. I'm nothing without Jesus. None of us are. Pride is the downfall of many a person. Pride is the downfall of many a believer. In fact, pride was the downfall of Satan himself. That's why he got kicked out of heaven. So as we go our way in our great, in this greater authority that God's calling us to, let's always do it humbly, selflessly, and pointing people to Jesus. Let our goal be to glorify Jesus and lead people to him with the good news, which brings me to our last point of this report that we got back here in Luke chapter 10. When, join, when we join Jesus' mission, it brings all of heaven great joy. So there's that, there's that joy again. Luke 10, 21 describes Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit praying to his Father. It brought Jesus so much joy when he heard that report. I can just imagine him just being giddy with it. Luke chapter 15, verse 10, by the way, says that all of heaven rejoices. All the angels rejoice when even one person comes to know Jesus. So imagine all of the activity and the industry and the activities are going on in heaven right now. And every time someone gets saved, it's like when you, it's like when you walk into Moe's or something. You ever been to those restaurants where you walk in and they say, Welcome to Moe's! It kind of shocks you, you know? You almost want to go, thank you, like this. You, know? you don't want to be pointed out, but they do that. Just kind of put you on the spot. I'd just rather just sneak in here and get my food if you don't mind. Instead of drawing all attention. But in heaven, if someone gets saved, they say, someone got saved. And everyone just rejoices and woohoo, bells are ringing. People are dancing in the streets. Because someone gets saved here, all of heaven rejoices. I don't know how you get around that. All of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices when one person gets saved. It's like the whole thing stops and you just hear this roar in heaven when someone gets saved. They're celebrating. When we lead someone to the Lord, it brings God great joy. It brings Jesus great joy. All of heaven rejoices. I love that. There's no silence in heaven when someone gets saved. It is a rousing, roaring party of celebration. When you got saved, that's what happened. And when you lead someone to the Lord, that's what happens. So again, if the business of heaven is souls, which is what we've heard before many times, then why wouldn't there be a great rejoicing in heaven when the stocks in heaven just went up? Got another one. The stocks just went up. It's kind of like that bell clanging on the stock market. Ding, 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 at the end of the trade on a good day. Uh, those people always look happy, by the way, even if it's like the stock market crashes. There's these people up there ringing the bell. I guess I, I was I kind of like someone who just looks stunned and crying, like, <laughs> like that on a bad day. But they always like, hey, I'm up here ringing the bell. Like, do you realize that we just like dropped a thousand points? But anyway, it's the bell ringing up in heaven. Only all of heaven rejoices. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rejoice in this great report from the 72. They came back and said, Jesus, guess what? This is what happened. And then as Jesus was like sharing this joy with him, all of heaven was also celebrating at the same time. So there's a lot of noise going on in the heavenlies from this rejoicing report. 
They were delighted. They were elated. They celebrated. It's like having a birthday party at a restaurant. You know, it's... If you ever go to Texas Roadhouse, they put that... You know, they come up and they clap and they embarrass you, you know. What do they say? Fried pickles, something, oh boy, or something. They say something like that. You just sit there going, I just, I just want to eat my steak. But, but in heaven, they just celebrate. You know, Jesus loves when we love what he loves. Jesus loves when we love what he loves. Think about it. And true intimacy with our Heavenly Father is this, that we love what he loves. And he enjoys us when we enjoy him and enjoy his mission. Do you enjoy him this morning? Do you enjoy his mission this morning? He enjoys when you enjoy that. You bring him great delight. Have you ever thought that as you're going about your day and you're representing Jesus to others in big ways and in small ways, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father are smiling at you. They're rejoicing with you. They're laughing, not laughing at you, but laughing like a parent would laugh when they see their child succeed, when they see their child do something kind and make them proud. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just have this laughter come up. You're not laughing at them. You're just laughing because you're so happy with them. You're so happy for them. You're so happy because of them. It just brings you that joy, you know? That's what our Heavenly Father does with us. He just laughs because of us. It just just wells up in this, this... this joy, and he can't help it, but he just goes, <laughs> I just love my child who is loving what I love and enjoying what I enjoy. I'm enjoying this so much that I can't help but burst out in laughter because of what my child is doing. It's a pure, genuine laughter that comes from great joy as, as he looks upon you as his child with this overflowing love. Because you're doing what he loves. You're, you're, you're loving what he loves. And you're walking it out. That's how our Heavenly Father is. He just smiles. He laughs. He's just filled with such great joy as we live out our highest purpose. And that's to have a vital relationship with Christ. Intimate. Daily. Ever-growing. Ongoing relationship with him. That I delight in that. He delights in that too. It brings me great joy. It brings me great satisfaction. But he also gets great joy when we share him with others. And he's inviting us into this storyline of of his mission of redemption this morning. This good news of great joy which the angels proclaim shall be to all people. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, Jesus quoted in Luke chapter 4 a scripture about himself out of Isaiah 61, 1. And we're going to put that on the screen here. But because Jesus quoted it, not only about himself, but because he now lives in us, we can actually apply this verse to us today. I want you to apply this verse to you today because Jesus is in you. It says in Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Would you read this with me out loud together? Start from the beginning. Say, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. 
because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. You put your name there where it says me because that's you saying that this morning because Christ is in you. The Spirit of the Lord is on you this morning. Put your name there. He has anointed you to proclaim the good news to the poor. And it's not just to the poor financially. This is not what it's talking about. It's really talking about the poor in spirit. Those who don't have Christ. He has sent me. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom to the captives. And release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus' mission is certainly not a duty. It's not a have to. It's a joy. It's a get to. If you freely received the grace of God and experienced His extravagant mercy, then it's a joy to freely share it with others, isn't it? It's not just that... It's not just you that desires God and it's not just you that are desire of God's heart. God desires everybody to be saved. I would that all be saved. and That none would be lost, He said. And He's, act, he's asking us to play an active role point others to him. I would like to have Emma come up and I want to just remind you, do you remember the shooting that took place in Virginia Tech back in April of 2007? Some of us would remember that if we're not too old or not too young, I guess. One of them, her name was Lauren McCain. Lauren McCain. She was one of the students that was killed at Virginia Tech back in April of 2007. She was a freshman from Shawnee, Oklahoma. And she left this powerful statement about her faith on her personal website. She was 20 years old and she wrote this. The purpose and love of my life is Jesus Christ. I don't have to argue religion, philosophy, or historical evidence because I know You know, Lauren knew her purpose. She knew why she existed. And she wasn't ashamed to let everyone know. And that is to know Christ and to make Him known. That's our highest and greatest purpose on this earth as well. And when we engage in this, we will experience greater authority as the Holy Spirit empowers us. And as we do, we're going to make heaven smile. Ah, that sounds pretty good to me. Jesus had a passion for souls. He still does. And he's called us to a higher place in him and equipped us to engage with others. And when we do our part and we leave the results to him, and as we walk out our highest purpose on this earth, loving Jesus and telling others about him, we're going to be able to fulfill our highest purpose too. So this Saturday at 9 o'clock, I'm inviting each one in this place and each one that's listening online here. And I'm praying against snow. God, please, clear skies. But this Saturday at 9 o'clock, I invite you to come to this sanctuary. Come right back here. And we're going to spend about 30 or 45 minutes in prayer and also preparation. I'm going to give you some very simple instructions. 
and I'm going to give you this brochure that says, you are amazing, but it's surrogate. In our story this morning, one of these that says, you are amazing. I'm going to ask you whether you've never done this before or not. Let this be the time that you say, you know what? I'm going to take that first step. I'm going to let God take the thousand after. As I take that first step, he's going to empower me and equip me. And this is what I ask you to do. This is really simple, actually. It may feel intimidating, but it's not. Nine o'clock, come here. I'm going to take about 45 minutes to pray and do a quick training. And then we have a map uh, of across the street at Riverwalk. And there's apartments and homes there of different varying degrees. We have Pastor Joseph's, we counted probably about 500 residences there, whether they're apartments or homes, give or take. We got enough in this congregation to cover it, but put it this way. We got enough to take care of what you can do. And if we don't get it all covered this Saturday, we'll go out again and do the ones that we didn't cover. But we'll give you some assignments. I'm going to send you out two by two. We're going to give you out some assignments of different neighborhood areas so that we don't overlap and hit the same door twice. We'll get it organized. And from like 10 until noon, or if you want to go a little past that, if you're feeling like the Holy Spirit's saying one more door, that's fine. But go as far as you can and simply just go to these houses and say, Hi, I'm Brian. This is my wife, Kelly. We just want you to know we're at this church right across the street from you behind the Home Depot. And we just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And we do too. We want you to know that God thinks that you're amazing. And just give this to Him. It's going to have our contact information on the back. And then say, is there anything we can pray with you about? Most of the time they'll say no. Sometimes they'll say yes. That's okay. Just leave this with them. And let them know who you are. Jesus loves them and God thinks they're amazing. And just like this lady, Sarah, who had that same encounter with that man, and it felt like it wasn't successful, but it was in God's time, we can make a difference. Now, if you don't feel like that you can walk because maybe your legs aren't working like they used to, then come here at 9 o'clock and stay until noon and just stay in here and let's do a prayer covering. Because we want prayer to cover what we're doing over there and to go before us. So if you feel like, well, I can pray, I can sit here and pray, then come on. But 9 to noon this Saturday, would you join us? I've already had several people say, yeah, I want to do this. I've never done it before, but I want to do it. And I promise you that as you do, you're going to sense this fulfillment that you've never sensed before. All of us know Jesus is our Savior and Lord, but many of us have a hard time taking that next step and telling others about Him. This is a great opportunity for you to take that step and realize the fulfillment that you've been lacking up to this point as you do. I want to invite you to do that this Saturday. And I uh, just want to ask if you would join me in prayer right now as we close this out, that this Saturday will be successful as well. That um, will be effective for God's kingdom, whatever that looks like. And then next Sunday, who knows, we might have a few people come here and they just hear the word of the Lord and that one encounter may be all they need or it may be 
No one shows up from the efforts that we took, but that's okay too, because in God's time and God's way, He knows what He's doing, because we plant and water, and God brings the right? So we do our part, He does His part. We take one step, He takes a thousand. I ask you to stand with me, if you will, this morning. And I just ask you to just join me in prayer. You may know some people who live over there. You can call them out by name if you want to right now as we begin to pray. You may not know a soul over there, but God knows every person that lives over there. He knows who's going to be home on Saturday. He knows what they're going through. He knows the situations in their life. He knows who in this congregation is going to interact with them. He knows everything already. So I want us to pray for those people across the way. Would you pray for the neighborhood, the Riverwalk neighborhood across the street with me right now? That God will go before us and that His great success will take place just like these 72 went out. Father, I know that there's a, more than 72 here this morning. And if each one of us were to go out, that would be awesome. But Lord, if some of us are not able to because of work, or maybe we just can't walk that much, we can still pray. We can make a difference. But Lord, I pray that you'd inspire each one of us that is not working, that can walk, Lord, that they would move past their fear or whatever it is that's holding them back. And that we would all show up here. Lord, let there be a, an astounding turnout here Saturday morning. Lord, let the weather be clear. Keep the sun shining and the temperature bearable. And Lord, I pray that those that need to be home in Riverwalk across the street, that need to be home next Saturday to to, to hear the words God thinks you're amazing Lord that they would be home change their schedules delay their going out and let us engage with them Lord God go before us Holy Spirit we pray for the Riverwalk community across the street we don't know anybody over there necessarily but you know everybody intimately and you know their need for you you know they need to hear that you think they're amazing. You know that they need prayer. You know that they need, they're crying out to you right now, some of them. Say, Lord, if someone would just come by my door, Lord, let us be that someone that encounters them with the love of Christ on Saturday. That we would plant and water and that you bring the increase. Lord, we ask that you go before us and prepare the way. That you would encourage us, Lord God, and help us to not be filled with trepidation or uncertainty but that we would go with the confidence and the boldness of the Holy Spirit in us speaking through us and that we would speak peace to these people that we would care about who they are and address their brokenness and let the gospel be known to them and that gospel is really just in a phrase God thinks you're amazing and let that be something that would be a hook that would draw them in to wanting to know more. Let it be something that would whet their appetite and create in them a hunger, Lord God, for you to know who you are. And as they maybe come here or they call the church or some way we interact with them so that we can continue to be part of their lives and point them to you, Lord Jesus. And through this activity on, on Saturday, this outreach, Lord, that seeds would be planted and watered and that many souls would come to know you through our efforts through our obedience, through our faithfulness and willingness to just be your hands and feet 
the lost and dying world is right across the street from us in Riverwalk. We love you, Jesus, and thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Lord, we're just going to give the results to you. And we're just going to do what you called us to do. And we're going to do what we can as the Holy Spirit leads us and empowers us. As we do our part, you're going to do your part. We thank you, Lord. That, all, that only eternity will tell of the efforts that we make this Saturday and the results of it. We make ourselves available to that end. We love you. 